all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. Yep, it's time for another live version of the original Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics, and I'm here with you alone to answer any questions you have about health, health care, or whatever's on your mind dealing with those areas. We're taking all questions. It's open mic. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our lines are open at one 672 And we're taking your emails at Southern Remedy at Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. So give us a call. We're waiting for it. one 672 It's whatever you want to ask today on Southern Remedy. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. A few of Donald Trump's once harshest critics are expected to sing his praises at the Republican National Convention tonight. As NPR's Scott Detrow reports from Cleveland, vice presidential nominee Mike Pence is among the high-profile speakers due to take the stage this evening. Both Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker and Texas Senator Ted Cruz were clear critics of Trump during the Republican primaries. But both will speak tonight on the GOP nominee's behalf. Speakers will also include former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who was a finalist for vice president. Following Gingrich on the podium, the man who did get the nod, Indiana Governor Mike Pence, will close out the night. He'll look to write what was a somewhat rocky rollout of the Republican ticket last weekend. Scott Detrow, NPR News, Cleveland. German authorities suspect that the 17-year-old asylum seeker who wounded several passengers on a Bavarian train with an axe and a knife on Monday acted alone. Counterterrorism investigators reviewed a video posting from the teen who has not been identified. On it, he calls himself a soldier of Islamic State. They caution that it's still unknown if the young man was ideologically inspired or was using ISIS as a cover for deep-seated problems. State-run media in Turkey are reporting that the government is expanding its purge of suspected coup sympathizers to private school teachers. More than 20,000 educators reportedly have lost their licenses on suspicion that they supported last Friday's failed attempt to oust President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Ankara has already fired tens of thousands of people across various fields from law enforcement to civil service. Health officials in Florida are investigating what could be the first case in the United States in which someone was infected with the Zika virus by an actual mosquito bite. NPR's Rob Stein has the details. The Florida Health Department says the Zika infection occurred in Miami-Dade County and does not appear to have been in someone who caught Zika while traveling in another country where the virus is spreading. That raises the possibility that the case could mark the first time that someone got Zika from an infected mosquito in the United States. But there's also the possibility that the Florida case may have occurred another way, such as through sexual contact. 
Officials have been expecting that Zika could eventually spread by mosquitoes in parts of the United States, but have been confident they could prevent any large outbreaks from occurring. Rob Stein, NPR News. Stocks have been moving higher on Wall Street after several companies reported earnings that were better than investors were anticipating. At last check, Dow was up 54 points at 18,613. The S&P 500 up 10 at 2174. And the Nasdaq is up 54 at 5,091. This is NPR News. All of the 84 victims killed in the attack in Nice nearly a week ago reportedly have been identified. The Associated Press also quotes a spokeswoman for the French prosecutor's office saying that the formal identification process is wrapping up. She says five people remain in custody in connection with the attack carried out by a 31-year-old Tunisian. Officials warn inflation is accelerating in Nigeria, Africa's top and import-dependent economy. The International Monetary Fund has slashed Nigeria's growth forecast. NPR's Fabia Quistarkin reports Nigeria is grappling with a much devalued local currency, low crude oil prices, and foreign currency shortages. The IMF says a lack of investor confidence and plummeting oil prices will push Nigeria into recession. Nigeria's petroleum-dominated economy, the continent's largest, also has been hit by militant raids on oil pipelines and installations, cutting production. Growth, forecast at 2.3% in April, is now expected to contract by 1.8%, with food, household and utility costs up. New York-based Capital Economics predicts inflation will peak around 18% and Nigeria's ailing currency, the Naira, will fall from an official rate of 290 to the dollar to 300. The unofficial exchange rate is currently 360 Naira to the dollar. Ophebia Kustakton, NPR News, Accra. Dow is up 55 points at 18,613. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News, in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the NPR Shop, where you'll find an assortment of American-made ceramic mugs celebrating public radio. The Morning Edition Cereal Bowl in two colors with a coordinating coffee mug is available at shop.npr.org. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Well, welcome back to Southern Remedy. It's always a pleasure to have a brief visit with you on Wednesday. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a time we have an opportunity to try to help you navigate uh, our American health care system and uh, to answer any particular questions you have that might be helpful in doing so. So it's just me here by myself in the room with our producer and our phone uh, screener, and we will try to get you on the air if you give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Please try to get in early because we don't like to leave folks 
on the line at the end of the program with that their their uh, questions answered. And we're about to go to Memphis in K, and we'll go to your house uh, or your car if you give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So much in the medical news that I won't talk about unless you ask me. A lot of literature this week about anxiety in children uh, who've been watching all the stuff on TV, including the uh, some of the political stuff, the ain't it awful stuff about how bad everything is in, in our country, uh, arguably so, but at least that's, I guess, the way to get elected is make everything bad. So uh, a lot of stress with that and the Bastille Day incident and all these other things going on. Uh, so we can talk about that, new articles in the Journal of Pediatrics and other journals on that. A lot of new stuff about bariatric surgery to a, address uh, the obesity epidemic. We've talked about that some before, but we can do it again. Man, I'll just tell you, ragweed season has come early. Our clinic is full of people with itchy eyes, sneezing, and it's too late for grass, so it's got to be weeds. So the weeds are pollinating early, perhaps related to all this crazy weather we're having. And uh, for you allergy sufferers, it's even a little late to get on your long-acting, non-sedating antihistamine. But if you haven't started it and you have bad hay fever, ragweed hay fever every fall, now's the time to do that. We can talk about it. And then finally, this epidemic of diabetes that is occurring in teenagers has gotten a, a big new article in the Journal of the American Medical Association because it is such a shocker now to see... Uh, teenagers with type 2 diabetes. So lots to talk about news-wise and whatever you want to talk about, which is really more important, if you give us a call at one mpb ring It's Dr. Rick here in your doctor call-in show, and we'd love to talk to you. Uh, let's go to Kay in Memphis. Hey, Kay. Hi. Thank you for Hi. your call. What, what's on your mind? I got in early this time. Last time you told me to email, and I don't email. So oh, I, I'm I sorry. Made, I made sure I was number one. My apologies. Thank okay. you. I, I have talked to you before. You probably remember me mm-hmm. as the one who got an EKG that was not mine. Well, anyway, I have left that entire um, uh, cardio program and have a new cardiologist in Memphis whom I love. Great. Okay. I was just letting you know. Oh, they wouldn't. They just said, Mrs. J, you know, there are a lot of good cardiologists in Memphis. Why don't you just get one up there and go there? Of course, they have four clinics here in Memphis. Well, you know, you know, I always say, and what I said to you, Miss Kay, when you called in before is you need to find a doctor who understands who he works for or she mm-hmm. works for. We work for you. It's not the other way around. And if you're having trouble with the office staff up front, that means you're probably going to have trouble with the doctors in the back because doctors uh, that tolerate office staff or screw-ups without getting them fixed are probably not the ones you want to go see. So you had that kind of experience. And, you know, there are a lot of doctors out there who would love to have new patients, and you just have to sort of find them. Okay, well, I have a couple of more questions. All right. Uh, are you aware of the hubbub going on about these um, smart meters that are being put in houses? No. Okay, well, they are here in Memphis. Uh-huh. 
and there are a lot. As I said, I don't have internet. Smart meters. Smart meters. What do they meter? Your everything. Your electric. They hook up. They don't ever have to come out to see you. Oh, really? Everything is done from in the office. So, what is the what is the problem with that? It keeps strange people from going around your house, uh, (laughs) and you wonder who's out there digging around, and you know. They don't do that anymore. They just say it's more efficient, that everything can be managed from the office. So anyway, but on the Internet, I understand from a friend, there is a lot of concern from people, patients, who are, they swear they're having problems and that they go to the doctor and the doctor is saying they've got too much something in their system and I don't know. I'm an old retired medical social worker, so doesn't much of this make sense to me. But you haven't heard anything about the smart meters. Uh, not a word. Nothing bad for sure. No, uh, haven't haven't done that. Uh, yeah, anyway, I have another week or so to say whether I want it or not. But I, I, I'm going to let them put it in. It's, I don't. I well, don't believe. Well, call that. us back and let us know how it works. Okay. I, I'll tell you what everybody's worried about. Everybody's worried about intrusion. Uh, into their environment by, you know, people watching you through the Internet and so forth. And let me tell you, that's probably not a bad thing to be concerned about. I don't think you have to go nuts about it, but um, every everybody I know has had their computer hacked, including yours truly. So you really have to, cons- uh, to consider that any kind of electronic stuff you've got is public information. And uh, that includes uh, any kind of monitoring device you have in your house. We're about to have an epidemic of medical monitoring at home. That is now available already in the state, but is going to be widely um, available through telehealth and other other functions. And it's going to be great uh, to have to be able to have your blood pressure monitored, your blood sugar monitored. Uh, your blood oxygen level monitored uh, electronically by uh, medical personnel who are looking after you. But the security piece of this has to be worked out, and so I certainly support uh, your concern about that, but I don't know anything about meters. Listen, if you want to talk about your meter, that is your ticker, and your brain, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have lines open. It's everything considered from toenails to bad breath. Give us a call. We'll try our best to put you in the right direction. And speaking of the right direction, I can't think of a better direction to go than Ocean Springs. Hey Benson. Hey there. What's happening? I just have a question, and you can validate it for me. I've run into some issues where um Drugstores are saying that uh, Medicare will not cover vaccines administered uh, at a pharmacy. They will only cover them administered in a physician's office. Are, are you aware of that? Uh, no, because we send most of our patients to the pharmacies in central Mississippi to have their immunizations. And let me tell you why. Um, you have to, uh, these are frequently, these are multi-use, multi-dose vials. And, uh, and they're all dated. And unless you're giving a huge number of them, uh, you end up going in the hole financially providing them. That's especially the case for, uh, some of the travel vaccines. So at UMC, we have a travel clinic that does that, but for shingles vaccine, it's a lot easier to get, uh, for the drugstore to get them than for us to try to get through the insurance 
uh, problem that uh, hospitals have. So the pharmacies, if you if you go to a pharmacy that is regularly getting your medications for you, they have electronic connections to all of the people who support these, and uh, it's a lot easier for them. Now, Medicare has a schedule of vaccines that they will pay for, and they're age-related and time-related. So we don't have any trouble getting any of the vaccines other than the travel vaccines, things like yellow fever. They don't carry those. Uh, You know, your shingles, your Prevnar, your uh, the regular routine pneumovax, uh, diphtheria, tetanus, uh, so forth. We don't have any trouble getting those. So I, I, I don't think that makes any sense. My recommendation, Benson, would be for you to call your uh, provider's office and don't get stuck with the first de- front desk. Talk to a nurse and ask uh, her or him to get this straight for you because it doesn't make any sense. Somebody's turfing you off. Is that helpful? Well, I was specifically referring to the senior uh, flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. that I was told by CVS, the pharmacist, that Medicare would not reimburse uh, the CVS for administering the senior flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. They would reimburse for the not the, the regular one, not the double-dose one. Is that what you're saying? I did, didn't ask them about the regular one, although I've gotten it there before. And, of course, my as you mentioned, my position has a very limited supply. Uh-huh. Well, let me just tell you what I would do on that. That makes no sense because the double-dose vaccine has been recommended by the CDC, so they should be able to get Medicare reimbursement for that. That makes no sense to me at all. By the way, uh, they're still trying to get the data to show that the double-dose is better than the single-dose, and for the most recent data is it is. So I was poo-pooing it. But there's some data from the last round that it is uh, that it's not time to get your flu vaccine yet. It won't be long. But uh, what I would do is go ahead and work on this now. I would call. You got two choices. One, you can call the Medicare info line and ask them about it and get confirmation. And you just you can go to gov dot com and pull that up, or you can just Google there a patient information line for Medicare. That would be the most authoritative way if you can get anybody that makes sense on that to, to answer the phone up there. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I, I would talk to my doctor about this. It sounds like somebody is putting the voodoo on you. And thank you for your call. We appreciate it. We have open lines. This is Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. We also have email services. And if you yell real loud, we can probably hear you. Uh, we're here to answer your questions on whatever they are, and we're going to Florence to Roger. Hey, Roger. Hey, this is one of your favorite listeners. Thank you for what you do, and I enjoy the style. And Florence is one of my favorite places. Man, I'll tell you, there must be a lot of people out there with tractors. I've never seen lawns as large as they are in Florence. (laughs) (laughs) You got blueberries, too. Uh, Yeah, they're good. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to comment. I know this is not your main bailiwick, but you really do reach other than medical issues sometimes. And on the subject of the lady that the lady brought up about uh, automatic uh, computerized remote access to your meters, supply. Meter. Yeah, yeah. Good. What that, you got on that? Well, it's fully efficient. 
mechanism. I don't mind a little guy in a little white truck driving up to my remote location because it's another a whole friendly person driving in, and we had a house robbery one time by an unfriendly person. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that. But but here's the consideration, and I predict this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Some electric uh, service providers are better than others. Some have better security on their computers than others. Somebody is going to get hacked, and and I'm concerned that the hackers are going to be able to get in and select which person they want to cut the electricity because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They're able to meter your electricity and cut you off if you're in an area where, you know, where they have a problem, or if there's an overload, they can temporarily deny you electricity so as to even out the load. The whole purpose. Yeah. And it's it's a good thing, of course, you know, engineering wise and 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 society will benefit by it. But I don't know who is making sure that the electric service providers, and there are, of course, the EPAs and the big ones, uh, I don't know who's making sure that their computerized systems are hack-proof. I okay, that that is a really good question. And if you wanted to be a, a helper to all of us ignorant people about that, you could call your provider and get that information and share it with us. You could either email it to us or call us back because, uh, they, they have, you know, they have a duty, uh, as a provider of services to protect you from being hacked and having people do stuff to you. So I am sure they have a security program in place, but you'll never know what it is unless you ask them. So I think that is, I'm not defending them. I'm just telling you they have a duty they don't want to get sued to protect you from hackers and other things. So why don't you call up whoever your guy is or woman or whoever it is and see what they got and then let us know about it. Cause I'd love to know. And, and this is going to be really pertinent to all this medical monitoring like Mississippi uh, senior services up in Tupelo has had a medical monitoring program uh, for a long time. I just happen to know that cause I'm a Methodist. Uh, and if Episcopal Medical Services or Catholic or Unitarian, if y'all got one, uh, that's great. I'm not saying that's the best one, but that's the one I know about. And so that that issue comes up with all these monitoring services. It's going to be a big one going forward. If you're interested about uh, going forward, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Rick. It's a doctor call-in show. It doesn't cost you anything and we do not send signals into your house to see what your meter is running from this end or spy on you in any other way so your phone call is is uh, the only people who will know what you ask are the 30,000 people listening to you right now on this station so give us a call we'd love to have you call at 1877 MPB ring and we have two lines open let's go to Flowood and Hunter what's going on Hey, you. Dr. Rick, how are you doing today? Good to, good to hear from you. What's happening? Yes, sir. I, I got two little quick questions for you. I hope you can give me some answers. I'll uh, try. Uh, I've been noticing we've been getting out in the sun a little bit. Not too much. You know, been putting sunscreen on. Um, something that kind of concerns me a little bit, I was looking in the mirror, and I noticed on my lips, uh, right on the face, not, not on the skin connecting to the lips, but on my lips, in the corners, I have a lot of little white dots. And at first, I was thinking that's just normal. 
And I started looking around. I looked at my wife, and I've been looking at a couple other people, not getting too close, mind you. But uh, right. And I noticed that uh, not many other people have that, and I just didn't know if it's something that was from the sun or didn't know if they were little whiteheads or uh, I just was. I will, I will do answer. my best on that. The most, uh, that is called angular chelitis. Angular, A-N-G-U-L-A-R, chelitis, C-H-E-L-I-T-I-S. Those little bumps, and they can be sore in the corners of your mouth. Uh, as you know, the mouth is full of all kinds of organisms. There, uh, we inhale uh, and swallow fungi, and we inhale and uh, we get bacteria that we pick up from our own uh, urogenital tract that get in our mouth because we're always putting our hands in our, on our genitalia and putting it in our mouth, especially guys, and they're frequently caught on TV, and it's very interesting. Uh, so we have this flora, this flora, and for some reason or other, sometimes, and they're always changing, sometimes you can pick up one that causes an area of lo- local inflammation. Now, most angular chelitis is associated with fungal infection, and you can just get some topical antifungal uh, agent over the counter. Uh, and I, I don't recommend a combination of an antibiotic and a fungus. Uh, antifungal combination, Lotrimin or one of those, uh, ask your pharmacist which one he thinks he or she thinks is the best. And just put that in the corner of your mouth for two or three days, twice a day. Don't put it in your mouth, but in the corner. Uh, and that should get rid of it. Now, occasionally you get a bacterial superinfection because... When you sleep, especially if your mouth's open, you get some drooling, and you get uh, bacteria on top of that. So if the uh, if the fungus doesn't do it, then I would get some Bacterman uh, and add that on as an addition. And that should get rid of it. If it doesn't, uh, I really made a misdiagnosis, and you need to have somebody look at it. But it's a very common problem. By the way, I thought you were talking about blisters. Uh, we, we have a lot of people who get outbreaks of herpes stomatitis, which is blisters when they get a lot of sun exposure. Uh, those are blisters. They're not little bumps. So I don't think that's what it is. I think uh, it's just plain old angular chelitis. You can Google that at, I guess, angularchelitis.com, C-H-E-L-I-T-I-S, angular, A-N-G-U-L-A-R. And uh, if you can't get more info, if you need more information, send me an email, and I will send you a patient information sheet on that problem and thank you for your call to one eight seven seven mpb ring let's go to earl in caledonia hey earl how you doing this morning listen i am uh, you know i'm an uh i got deported from alabama before i came over here and i have to constantly <laughs> apologize for it it took me a while to finally find a decent place to live so I, i'm living in mississippi now uh where is caledonia caledonia is Right on the state line, right above Columbus. Really? And and I came from uh, uh, L.A. too. Is that right? Yeah, I was at Aliceville, Alabama, forever. A lovely place. I have a relative from Aliceville, and uh, it's a lovely place. So did Caledonia su- succeed from the Confederacy, like everybody else in North <laughs> Mississippi? Is there going to be a uh, a special TV program about it, or have you found out? 
No, I haven't found out, but I know that Winston County, Alabama, has never gone back. Absolutely. You know, and they haven't had a movie made about them. I don't understand. Well, yeah, well, we've got a lot to talk about, but unfortunately there are other people waiting, so let's talk about your medical question and then call back and we'll we'll, uh, have a beer over the phone. What's going on? I have a 14-month-old grandson with tremendous, uh, well... Eczema. Eczema. In his elbows, the back of his knees, but mostly under his neck. Uh-huh. Uh, we tried, uh, well, the doctor said moisturizer. Mm-hmm. The little fella cries when you put it on him. I think it's alcohol in the moisturizer. Oh, my gosh. Let me and, talk to you about that. Let me talk ahead. to you about that. I'm an allergist, among other uh, derogatory things, so we see a lot of uh, infants, uh, and toddlers with eczema and eczema is a dry scaly skin rash that involves the flexural surfaces, the armpits and behind the knees can involve the face, uh, in kids, uh, and it itches like crazy. So they scratch it. And what happens is what's called the itch scratch cycle. The more they itch, the more they scratch, and the more it breaks down. And when your skin breaks down, it gets infected with staph. So in order to get rid of uh, a a, a large area of, of infected eczema in a child and stop the itching, you have to treat the infection as well as the inflammation. And the inflammation comes from allergies. So eczema is the marker of the most allergic children and children with eczema frequently go through what's called the allergic march they go through they start getting otitis media middle ear infections they have snotty noses and get sinusitis and then when they get viral infections they start wheezing and they get asthma has any of that happened yet to your so far everything but the asthma all right well it's coming later if you don't get hold of this thing so that is the kind of person you really do want to take to see an allergist. And uh, a good uh, allergist with uh, pediatric interest will help you with that. But let me just talk to you about what I would do for this kid's eczema. And most of it you can do over the counter yourself, except for the Bactroban, Bactroban which is Mupiricin, M-U-P-I-R-I-C-I-N, antibiotic ointment is excellent for killing staph in eczema in kids. So what you need to do is a multi-layer treatment for this. You need to put on the antibiotic ointment to all those areas. There's no side effects to this stuff unless you get a topical allergy, but that's very unusual. And put that on this kid's skin at least twice a day to get rid of the infection. If that doesn't take care of it, it's going to take oral antibiotics to get rid of it. But most of the time, this is just as good. And then what you need to use is an ointment. And we like Ceruve, C-E-R-U-V-A-E. There's some other ways to pronounce it, but I never get it right. It's over the counter mixed equally with point uh, with 1% hydrocortisone ointment. And you can do this yourself. You get a uh, 1% hydrocortisone uh, uh the largest tube you can get uh, with nothing else in it, just 1% hydrocortisone, and then you scoop out an equivalent of how much you've got in that tube in that Ceruve bottle, 
and mix it equal p- proportions, and that gives you what's called uh, uh, a weak hydro, uh, a weak steroid uh, with a moisturizer. And the, the, it's so weak that unless you overuse it, you're not going to get any trouble with it. But what you do is you use the mupirson first. You let that go in. You get the ointment, not the cream. Uh, and you're going to have to call your doctor and ask them specifically to call it in. I'm sure they'll do it if you ask for it. Mupirison, M-U-P-I-R-I-C-I-N, ointment, the largest tube. Get them to do that for you. And then put that on first. And then make your own mixture of 1% hydrocortisone ointment and C-E-R-U-V-A-E is best I can spell the stuff. Uh, it's a great moisturizer. Mix those equal parts and slab that on twice a day or three times a day. And uh, then you need to put the kid on an antihistamine. Zyrtec for kids is a really a, a very safe over-the-counter thing, and that'll stop the itching. So that is, that's what you should do for this. And it, when it calms down, then you take them off the steroid mixture and just use a Ceruve multiple times a day or it'll come right back. Uh, it could be related to being triggered by cow's milk, but I don't want to do allergy over the phone. Right now you just need to get rid of the rash and then start watching what the kid eats. And, and if the kid is a, uh, has a food allergy, uh, within about 20 minutes of eating, that rash will light up and they'll start itching like crazy and then you know you have to shift to something else. Earl, is that helpful? Yes, it is. But the the first one, M U P. Mupirison. The, the Mupirison is the generic name. M U P I R I C I N is I, I think how you do it. I'll look it up and, no and if, if I misspelled That's it in a minute. Uh, but it's also problem. known as Bactroban. Bactroban ointment. And the other one is Ceruve, C-E-R-U. That's the best moisturizer for anybody with dry skin. And you mix that with uh, 1% hydrocortisone ointment. Gotcha. And then give them some Zyrtec, kids' Zyrtec uh, for the itching. Uh, You got uh, it. Send me an email if you need more. Great to talk to you. Bye-bye. We're probably related. Okay, let's uh, get your call on the line. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Rick. I'm itching for your call. Give me a call. It's one call, that's all. And we'll be right back after this break to go to Poplarville and your house. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org heart.
Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, host of Southern Remedy for Women, here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy. Yes, it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new MPB car tag. It's the latest way you can support Mississippi Public Broadcasting continue the mission of educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. This epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting between MDs and DOs. Well, there used to be a big difference between MDs and DOs, and now there's hardly any difference. Uh, uh, For when those two um, medical practice organizations were started, there was a difference in the approach to the patient that was based on uh, the role of nerves in controlling all kinds of diseases. And that was the D.O. part. The medical doctor uh, part uh, was different. It was more based on the basic science of medicine. And a number of years ago, they pretty much merged. And although uh, D.O.s still get some training in uh, doing some special musculoskeletal stuff, which I will tell you as a rheumatologist can be very helpful, uh, there's not any difference. So if you... And they're both licensed by the same, uh, by their their respective boards. In fact, we have many DOs in our training programs at UMC that we're taking from the new DO program down in Hattiesburg. We're trying to provide those DO Mississippi graduates of DO programs, uh, usual the usual allopathic. That's the name for MD training that MDs get. So. For all purposes, uh, uh, DOs and MDs get the same basic training. And uh, for primary care, they have to go through family medicine or pediatrics or internal medicine training and be board certified. So what you want is a board certified physician. It really doesn't make any difference whether an MD or DO. They, they're basically the same. And you want one for primary care that's certified in medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics, um, family medicine, and some some women prefer to get their primary care from uh, an OBGYN physician, and if your OBGYN physician is, uh, wants to do that, that's great. They're, they're more than competent, and so there's the four options you got. And the best way to find out who's a good one is ask somebody in your community who uh, is over 50. People in small Mississippi communities over 50 know the dirt on everybody. So you can get whatever information you want about that from somebody over 50 in your community. They'll give you the truth, whether you want it or not. All right, let's go to Poplarville and Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Yes, sir. I was wanting to get you to talk on that H. pylori. All right. Uh, I was wanting to know where it come from and how long you could go around with that stuff in you all right and, uh, okay do you got that problem 
Yes, sir. I've been oh. having a lot of weakness and all that. They checked me and uh, said I had it. Okay. Well, let me let me tell you what it is. H. pylori is a bacteria, and we may very well get that from our mamas. We don't know where it comes from. It is, you can get it, you know, by the fecal oral route. You can get it from feces, and we all live in an environment that's full of it. Uh, so you can you can get it, but m- probably most of it is passed from one family member to another, and it grows in your gut, and uh, it's part of the flora, and f- not the fauna, the flora of your uh, gut, and uh, that we have our gut is loaded with bacteria and similar organisms, and this particular one uh, hangs around if you're infected with it. And is associated with uh, peptic ulcer disease. It is the main reason that people get ulcers. We used to th- we didn't we didn't know what caused ulcers when I went to medical school. We just thought you know it was inherited. Well, yeah, it, the people were getting this organism from their mother who also had ulcers, and I had this. My mother had ulcers, and you know I have all diseases. My mother had ulcers, and I had ulcers, and by the time I was in medical school, we figured out what it was. It was H. pylori. So there is a special three-antibiotic or three-drug regimen for treating H. pylori. Uh, you, you can get H. pylori by doing a stool test for it, which is a laboratory test, or you can get it uh, in a biopsy of your gastrointestinal tra- tract if you're having GI problems. And uh, about 80% of people get well from this uh, with the first three-drug treatment, but it can. You have to be rechecked to make sure you've got it uh, cleared up, and it's associated with ulcer disease, and it can also contribute to malignant stomach disease. So if you got it, you want to get rid of it, and it takes antibiotic treatment, and once you get the antibiotics, you have to get the stool test to make sure it's cleared up. And uh, that's all the time I got on this, Bruce, today. But if you want more, just send me an email at Southern Remedy MPB Online. I'll send you more H. pylori information than you want, okay? And get that fixed. And I'm sorry you got the problem, but I'm glad you found out why. Let's go to Lee and Clinton. Hey, Lee, what's going on? Well, thanks for taking my call. I'm in Clinton right now, but I live in Dallas. I'm in town um, uh, for a couple of days working with some agencies and school districts on a project to uh, heighten awareness about diabetes, prediabetes, hypertension, and prehypertension. And the reason for my call is in doing our research, noticed um, some pretty shocking numbers. Uh, in Missis- and I'm a native Mississippian. I grew up in Forest and was born in McGee, so I'm, I'm one of us talking about us, I feel like. Good what places. I, yeah, good places. So what I, I, we've discovered is about 54% of all Mississippi adults have diabetes or prediabetes, and about 800,000 Mississippians have it and don't know it. Similarly, even worse, about 84% of adults have hypertension or prehypertension, and about three-quarters of a million don't know it. So my question is, uh, I'm sure this is getting a lot of attention. I'm sure that it's at the forefront of physicians' minds and and public health officials' minds. I'm just curious how much awareness there is at the patient or the individual level of of the consequences. and, And if this many people don't know they have a problem, is there a campaign to get people to be aware of the problem, to get the checkups that they should. Well, we're glad you're here helping on that, and there is a campaign, and actually I'm involved with it. It is the Community Health Advocate Program at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. 
Now every medical student in the freshman class goes through a training course to be a community health advocate, and that is a health screener. And they are certified by the university to take blood pressure, measure blood glucose, uh, BMI, body mass index, and do some basic dietary counseling. And for patients who have doctors to refer them back to their doctors if they don't have a doctor, uh, and if they can't afford a doctor, to help them get hooked up with one of our federally qualified health centers in the state. And so if uh, folks have a church that they want a health screener to come to, we can send one out there at no cost. They come out and do these screenings, and all you have to do is just send me an email uh, at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. That program is co-sponsored by Southern Remedy and MPB uh, Radio, and we have 150 people looking for places to do health screenings. So, So that's one place. We also have uh, in this same program uh, an opportunity to train trainers for local churches uh, or uh, other organizations. It can be a civic organization. It can be the mafia. We don't care. Whoever wants to learn how to do this screening, we will train people as trainers to train additional screeners for your area uh, in uh, wherever it is in Mississippi. So, uh, we are aware of that. The, that this program uh, is uh, doing everything we can to address it. We're not doing a good job because we still have exactly the numbers you say. And now we have all these kids uh, with uh, diabetes. For instance, uh, in Mississippi, the majority of teenagers who are overweight have prediabetes, and you know that. Uh, so we now have teenagers and we know that if you don't do something about prediabetes, get your weight down, get your exercise up, you're going to end up with diabetes. So we're working with the school systems on this. Lots of organizations, volunteer organizations are working on this. And uh, we're just glad you're here. And when you get through with this, whoever this company is uh, you're working for, I hope you'll come back to Mississippi and give us a hand, hand on this because we really need the help. So help those people in Texas, but come on home. I appreciate it. I'm actually meeting with folks at UMC today, so uh, hopefully our paths will cross soon. I'll reach out to you and, um, soon, and maybe we can connect. Sounds fi- doing, fantastic. We appreciate your coming over here and helping us. The more, the merrier. We don't have any ego. We need help. Okay, we're taking your call and whoever's call you want to call in at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll take your call and talk about what's on your mind medically today. We're going to go to Oxford and Taylor. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Are you hanging out at the Taylor Drugstore or anything like that? No, I'm actually on my lunch break. Oh, okay. All right. What's happening? (laughs) Well, um, my husband uh, believes he has a milk allergy because he's been getting sores in his mouth, and they seem to only pop up when he's got dairy uh, when he eats dairy products like cheese or milk or uh, sour cream. And uh, he was looking online and saw that, that sores could be caused by milk allergies, but there isn't really a way to test them. And I was just wondering if you knew about milk allergies and other than just avoiding milk, uh, is there anything you can do to prevent those sores from popping up? Okay, don't go anywhere. Let me ask you another question. Uh, <clears throat> does he have anything uh, wrong with him other than this? Is he perfectly healthy otherwise? 
Yeah, he's perfectly healthy otherwise. Uh, has he had recurrent episodes of herpes, uh, stomatitis, these bl- fever blisters? No. Uh-huh. And does this go totally away when he stops uh, milk? Yeah, so if he goes a few days without eating any dairy products, he doesn't have them, and then once he eats a piece of cheese, it's it's back. Okay. All right. Well, we we don't know a lot about anything other than food allergies that are associated with acute allergic reactions. Okay. That is hives, itching, uh, you know, like insect sting uh, mm-hmm. reactions. We do know that they occur. And in uh, children in particular with milk allergies, they have a whole variety of weird stuff. And one of the weird stuff they have are delayed food allergies. And uh, we hear of kids who have these kinds of oral things. We know it can cause eczema. And is your husband coming from an allergic family? A lot of people have hay fever and asthma and stuff in his gene line. No, not not on his side. On my side, we've got a lot of that, and I'm allergic to everything I touch. So. Yeah, well, he, he you can't catch allergies, so uh, right. he, he ain't got that from you. But uh, but anyway, uh, I would go with the data at hand. If he is having this problem, he needs to keep a diet diary of every time he eats particular foods until he figures out which ones are triggering this. You already know that cheese does it and maybe some other dairy products. But he needs to uh, have an episode, write down what he ate in that period for 24 to 48 hours, in his case maybe 72 hours before each flare, and he'll be able to figure out what those are, and you just have to avoid them. There's no way other than avoidance to make any sense of that, and I believe him. So is that helpful? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. And thank you for your call. We appreciate all you folks up in Oxford, even if I say funny things about you online. You're listening to Southern Remedy because all knowledge comes from Oxford, but I just, you know, I'm joking. Uh, actually, it does, but I'm joking. Uh, listen, uh, you're listening to Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. I'm at one eight seven seven mpb ring and I would like to take your call. Let's go to Ron in Tupelo. Hey, Ron. Hey, Dr. Rick. What's happening? Well, I haven't had Dr. Make house call in over 50 years, but thank you for being in my house. It's my pleasure. What's going on with there? Well, I I was in a rollover car accident about six years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I was unconscious for a while afterwards, but the main damage was to my right hand on the right side of my right hand, and um, showed no broken bones, just lacerations and contusions, or as I say, cuts and bruises. And <clears throat> the other day, last week, I had wasn't doing anything strenuous. But my little finger popped out of joint at the middle knuckle. It uh-huh. was sticking out at an angle from the other fingers. And my wife popped back in for me, and we taped it to my third finger. She said, use a buddy system. She's a good person. That's the right thing to do. Well, she's an accountant, so she's always right. I like accountants. <laughs> okay. Well, I live with two of them. So. Yeah, well, you're probably neurotic because they're all obsessive, compulsive, perfectionistic people, but I still like them. Anyway, I kept kept it taped together for, I think, three days. Swelling went down. Everything seemed fine. Uh And then Monday, I wasn't doing anything, like I say, strenuous, and it popped out again. And I've had it taped back up since then. 
should I see a doctor or what, what, what's the treatment on this? Yeah. Well, what's happening, I think, is that tendon, there's a tendon on the ups, up, upper surface and a tendon on the lower surface of your finger. I the remember that much. Yeah. flexor and extensor tendon. The tendon on the top is the one that lets your finger come up and the tendon on the bottom, the flexor tendons let your finger bend. And I think that flexor, uh, that extensor uh, tendon is sliding off of that joint and it's popping out of, uh, out of place. And that's probably related to some kind of tendon injury you had during, uh, that, uh, automobile accident. I would, I would, uh, if this, continues to happen obviously that tape is good but what happens is if you tape your tape your fingers together that that finger will get very weak because you're not using the muscle and the 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 ability to put together the first and second fingers is the most important thing for survival that's uh you know finger uh, two at one and two but the, the, yeah the but the finger. the ability to put that one in five together is also pretty important in grasping things. So I would, uh, I would find myself, I would skip the primary care guy and go directly to an orthopedic hand surgeon or a plastic hand surgeon. The people that do hand surgery, you're probably going to have to have hand surgery and uh, physical therapy is not going to do a thing for that. So I would get to an orthopedic hand surgeon, just look under hand surgery or call your doctor for a referral to a hand surgeon and see if that uh, there's anything that can be done other than surgery first, and then you'll have to make a decision of whether you want it fixed. Okay? I wish I had, uh, I could tell you, you could take your staple gun and just staple that tenant back in place, but that won't work. Okay, let's go to, uh, uh, before we go to equipment, We'll go to uh, a couple of emails that just came over. The first is uh, keratosis pilaris. That is not a grandchild's name. That is a skin condition frequently seen on the neck and face of these bumps. And uh, they don't usually itch. They just are just bumps, and they can be very, very uh, problematic from a cosmetic standpoint. And this person has done some research, Lisa, and wants to know if there's anything you can do about it. Yep. There's one thing over over the counter. There is one thing over the counter, which is the same thing we use when you come in uh, to the doctor. So I'm saving you a doctor visit. So please buy one of those car tags, one of them car tags with Mississippi Public Broadcasting on it. Go to mpbonline.org, click on car tag. Uh, so you got the money now to do it. Uh, it's called amlactin, amlactin, uh, and it is over the counter, uh, and uh, that is the the best thing uh, for this particular problem. Key uh, keratosis pilaris, lachhydrin, lachhydrin, l a c h y d r i n. And sometimes it's amlactin, but that will do it. And you just had the problem is it does it it takes care of it and then it comes right back. We don't know what causes it, and it's just an irritant. It's sort of an acne like thing, but it's not acne. All right, let's go to Gene and Equipment. Hey, Gene, your it's your time, Gene. Oh, John, John, I'm sorry, I got Gene, John, and Ron mixed up. 
John, what's going on? It'd probably be that way. Are you itching? Uh, No, not right now. But I have a lot of mosquito bites out here on the outside of my house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I discovered a way. It's probably not a new discovery, but to eliminate itch pretty fast. Okay, what's that? Bug bite. What do you got? You take some hot water. Mm -hmm. How hot? Uh, I use above tap water. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dip a spoon in it. Okay. And just touch it the place lightly to determine how much pain you can take. Mm-hmm. And as you get acclimated to the pain, you can hold it down and just move it around and then do it maybe a couple of times. And sometimes it goes away entirely. Mm-hmm. It may take another treatment a little later, but it sure works good for all kinds of itches. So you put hot, hot water in a spoon and put no, it on. No. Hmm? I dipped a spoon in the water. Oh, I got you. So you put the hot spoon on there. Yeah. Huh, that's very interesting. Yeah, and I found out there is a medical term for that. But I did it, found it by accident, but it just kind of kills off the nerve for a while. Yeah, it's so called it a counter irritant. Counter irritant. I just called it distractive itch. I think it's I think it's good, and I appreciate you telling us about it. I'm going to give you a couple of other ideas, but if that one w- works best for you, then go with that because it sounds safe as long as you you don't burn yourself. And I like the fact that you did the test first. So thank you for that very, very much. Uh, over the counter, there are a series of, uh, very effective topical anti itch things. Uh, and they all have paroxime P A R O X I M N E in it. Uh, uh, and you can look for paroxime, uh, paroxime, uh, 1.1% is also, uh, over the counter is a great any itch stuff. It's the active ingredient in some of the calamine solutions. So go to the poison ivy part, and that's we can prescribe it. It actually can be prescription, but we can't get it any stronger than you can get it over the counter yourself. Paroxime one percent. Ask if you can't find it, ask your pharmacist for it. The any itch stuff called paroxime, uh, and that can be helpful too. If you are having allergic reactions to insect bites, uh, a couple of things. Number one, you're not using enough mosquito repellent, so you need to do that. Number two, uh, you can put 0.1% hydrocortisone ointment on there as soon as you're uh, bitten, and that will help. Listen, it's been a great pleasure visiting with you guys. Uh, Gene and Quipman, if you'll send us an email, I certainly will do what I can to answer your question. Sorry I didn't get to it. You've been listening to Southern Remedy, and I'm Dr. Rick. Southern Remedy is a daily program supported by a a generous grant from the University of Mississippi uh, Medical Center and the Foundation for Public Broadcasting. Catch a replay of today's show Sunday at 6 p.m. and join us next Wednesday at 11 for the original Southern Remedy where the doctors are always in. Stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now. Thanks for listening. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com. A few stray thunderstorms will be possible as we go through this afternoon, but that's not our biggest concern. It is the dangerous heat. 
The National Weather Service has posted a heat advisory that's going to be in place for areas north and west as we go through this afternoon. Temperatures in Greenville on the thermometer topping out at 98 degrees. The heat index could exceed 110 you don't have to be outside today, definitely want to stay in the air conditioning, and especially if you have respiratory illness. Now, the temperatures tomorrow are going to be just about the same in the upper 90s. I'm David Maddox for MPB. Funding for Here and Now comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering.